Support for Noble and Roosh is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for Noble & Roosh listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code GNR at manscaped.com. That's GNR at manscaped.com. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, we have a special guest in the building, um, Mr. Ayo Dosunmu. Hope I'm saying that correctly. If I'm not, please correct me. Coming out of Miami, man. How you living? How's the weather? What's good? I was feeling, I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, out here in Miami training, you know, with Excel, uh, management getting better each and every day. I'm getting excited uh, for the combine coming up the next two weeks. I've um, just been out here training, um, just, you know, getting better. Awesome. So we like to dive right in a lot of times and just get to it. You say you're training. Can you kind of take us through that, what your training regimen looks like, at least at this juncture uh, before the draft? Yeah, I'm just um my training. Um, I'm I'm going every day. I wake up around seven o'clock. Um, we go eat breakfast seven thirty. We get to the gym eight o'clock. Work out from eight to about ten. Um, so on court workout. You know, a lot of shooting, a lot of ball handling, a lot of different um, moves, one on one moves, pick and roll reads. You know, just getting in shape. You know, just you know sharpening up our game. And then we go back to the um, our house, and we have a chef. He cooks for us. Great meals fruit, you know, all time, all um, different kinds of drinks. Um, so much good food. We eat that. And then we go back to core, core we call it core, uh, core fitness. We go lift weights um, for about an hour at 12, about 12 to one. Um, then once we're done with that, we go back to another gym. We shoot the second workout. The shooting workout is more just um, getting shots, getting reps up. Um, not really a lot of ball handling and um, other movements, you know, just getting a lot of shots up, getting a lot of reps up to um, polish it from coming from the weight room. And then after that, we come home and we done around, our days are about four o'clock. We go um, Monday through Saturday. Sunday's the only off day. That's amazing. So you're in a house with the other draftees, the other prospects with Excel, right? Or how does that work? Yeah. Who's in this house? Well, actually, I I have my own um, um, apartment, but most of the guys are together because I was one of the last people to come. But yeah, um, they they live together. But that's where I go. Well, that's where we go every day when we go to eat. Awesome. Is that part of the reason why you went with Excel is, is this program they had, the structure, and um, just selling you on the pre-draft workout? I know that's super important, and it seems like it, they got a heck of a structure going on for you. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the, one of the, um, one of the reasons, definitely. One of the reasons why I chose Excel, I thought it was a, um, a family atmosphere. And I thought that it was um, a great agency, you know, a great place where I can excel and um, not just, you know, become a better player on the court, but become a better player off the court. And um, I think they gave me the best um, opportunity to, you know, showcase, you know, all of my God-given talents um, on the court and off the court. 
Wow. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really intense. Um, so I mean, <clears throat> just being direct, man, like how do you feel? Draft coming up, like what's going on in your in your brain, in your stomach, butterflies, you just kind of living with it, kind of waiting to see what happens, like what's going on? I'm excited. You know, I put so much work into this um into the game to get to where I am today. Um, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to, you know, experience all of those different um um, qualifications that's come with, you know, being a drafty, being going through the process, you know, being here. I went through the process last year, so I, I pretty much know how it goes. And, you know, this being my second time uh, having myself in a, a, a more secure position than I was last year, you know, I'm just excited to go through everything because last year was COVID. So I'm excited to go work out for teams. I'm excited to have my pro day. I'm just excited to, to go through everything that comes along with this process. And I'm definitely excited for draft day. Let me ask you, um, do you have a preference? Like if you could pick, if it was up to you, would you go to a team that needs you to, to come in and start right away and to take over so that you can kind of just get your feet wet, boom, ASAP? Or would you prefer a situation where maybe you go to a contender um, or a team where you're coming off the bench, maybe getting less minutes, but getting more like veteran you know leadership tutelage and that kind of thing like do you have a preference does it matter have you thought about this um i don't think it matters because i just pray that i'm playing in the right position and um i wouldn't even say that because i, I feel like any position i could um i can be successful in just by hard work and just you know stay on the right page but um like you said if i was to be dropped to a team where i was to you know come out right away playing a lot of minutes that would be great because that's why i came back to college two years that's why i did three years because my my mind, my body, um, everything is ready. I'm 21 years old, so I wouldn't be coming in as, you know, your, your typical young rookie as, you know, you know, the one-and-done era. So I think I could come in and, and produce. And also, if I was to go to a contender team, I think that, you know, that would be a plus also because, you know, um, me going to a contender team, like I, like I stated, uh, me being a junior, me already, you know, going through so many different wounds, me, me being able to see the game at a different level, um, if I was to, you know, be drafted by a contending team, then, you know, I think they would definitely be getting a, a positive because they're getting a player who come in right away and help the team win and help the team compete for a championship. Yeah, man. So just listening to your confidence, I know you believe you can play multiple different positions and be successful just about anywhere you can go. I mean, that's kind of the mindset you have to have. But in a perfect world, what position, what um, functionality do you think serves you the best? I mean, you're a jumbo guard, you're long. I mean, I definitely think you can play one through three, but where on the basketball court do you fit the best in your mind in an ideal world? I think I'm a complete player. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a natural point guard. You know, also, you know, AAU has been times where I played off the ball. And um, so I think I can play any, any of those positions. You know, my, my natural position is a point guard, but like, you know, it's no really natural position now in the NBA. You have so many yep. different kinds of guards. Um, you have like, it's no traditional, like just, you know, playing guard how it was back in the day. So um, I just think I come out there and I can, you know, help the team in any, you know, shape or form. Um, I can, you know, make reads and pick and rolls and I can defend, I can handle the ball. So, you know, I, I can, I can play the point full time, but also if it was another point guard aside of me, you know, I have the um, capabilities to be able to play along them and, and make plays. So, I think I'm a, you know, a playmaker. That's why I, I consider myself fast. Yeah. Uh, listening to you talk, honestly, reminds me a lot. Um, we had Nasir Little of the Portland Trailblazers on a while back. Um, I think around the bubble, when the bubble was going on. 
And, you know, he was in his first season, first couple of seasons, very mature, mm-hmm. uh, very intelligent player. Um, and you kind of speaking, you reminds me of that. So it seems like you got your head on your shoulders, right. And you're, you're ready to hit the league. Um, with that said, you're six, five, you do have all the skills pretty much this past season. If I'm not mistaken, I think you, um, I think you shot your career best from three, I think it was 39, 40% on about maybe two, three attempts. Seems like your attempts went down. Um, from the previous season. And I was going to ask because shooting is such a big part of the NBA, especially now, right? You know, everyone has to be able to shoot, spread the floor, um, especially in addition to the other skills you have. Um, A, I was going to ask, was it, was it a conscious thing that your shot, your three point shot attempts went down and B um, how do you see your shooting translating to the NBA and kind of being a part of your game and your value? Um, to answer your first question, no, I don't think it was a conscious thing. Um, I don't think uh, it was anything that, you know, anything that I really thought of. Um, I thought before my nose injury, you know, I was shooting, you know, maybe three, four attempts a game. Um, before I had to wear the mask, it was, it was games, you know, against Indiana and Nebraska where I shot, made four threes, five threes. Um, and to answer your second question, um, that's something I've really been, you know, um, stressing on getting better, you know, shooting 39%. Um, you know, when I came back, when I came out my sophomore year last year, that's all I heard was that, you know, 29% last year. So I put a lot of work into the gym and came out, you know, shooting 39%. You know, the thing about it was before, you know, the no, before my nose injury, like eight games before that, um, before we played Michigan State, my, my three-point percentage was like at 44%. So, um, I know the work that I put in is there and I, I will continue to put the same work in at the next level. I definitely do think, you know, having a three point shot is uh, something that you, you know, you, you have to have to be a good player at that level because it's, it's so many great defenders and so many, you know, um, you know, people who can, can, can guard one through five. So you have to have that separation of and variety of moves to be able to get your jump shot off. And um, I've been working on it a lot um, in a gym. I definitely have, you know, seen, so much more progression and um, it's just a, a day by day thing. I'm going to continue to work. You know, um, I, I always tell myself I'm, I'm not a finished product. Um, so, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I definitely do think that's something that has to be had at the next level to be a, a good player. And that's something that I'm, I'm going to continue to keep working on each and every day. For sure. And it's, it's crazy how much you have improved everywhere year after year. And you don't see that. I mean, really like that drastic of changes year to year in college basketball. I mean, you see it first couple of years in the NBA, you'll see guys' statistics jump dramatically just because of the amount of possessions um, and just the way the game is played uh, from a statistical standpoint. But what would you say is the main reason why, I mean, you improved, especially from a shooting perspective, but all around, you think it's just because of the work you put in, like the, the attempts, I mean, the repetition, or is there certain things you switched up? Um, I think it's just really it was film because last season when I came up, you know, came out um, when I shot 29 percent, um, you know, my shot um, was, was pretty much good. It was just a little, you know, detail that I had to clean up to become a better shooter. That's why, you know, my shot was so streaky at times. It'd it be games where I go, you know, one for four. Then it'd be games I go two for three, games I go three for four because I didn't have the, the right preparation and uh, the, the right details. And um, that was something I had to clean up, you know, watching tons of film, thousands of film, you know, receiving constructive criticism on, on how I could become a better player, how I could be, become a better shooter. And then I just attacked it. 
you know, once I decided to come back, the first thing I did when I got to, to, to Illinois was put up a lot of shots the right way, you know, um, memorize my correct form and just keep trying to get better and better at each and every day. And then as practice went and as games went, you know, I gained more and more confidence. Um, I know it was times in the season where, you know, when, when once it went up, you know, my whole team knew that it was going to had a good chance of going sure. in. And um, that's pretty much, that's all shooting is. It's all about, you know, putting up the, the work in and I'm um, having the confidence and the, the belief. That's what basketball is. So um, I just tried to, you know, just keep working on my, um, my shot, working on my game. And um, it started to show. Yeah, shooting is all rhythm and confidence, man, especially at your level where everyone is supremely talented and able. Definitely. Um, and everybody in shoot-arounds is drilling them. It just comes down to confidence and rhythm when you're in the game, taking advantage of your looks. Um, and obviously, Definitely. you have the percentage. You have, like, the stroke. Like, it's there. So, um, I was going to ask, man, is there somebody that you think your game closely resembles that's in the league and or is there somebody you want to continue to mold your game after? Um, I don't think it's one player that I think I play like, you know, at my size, you know, being six, five, um, I think it's a lot of players where I definitely resemble. Like when I see certain guys do certain moves, I'd be like, yeah, like, you know, that's something that, you know, I can do. That's something that I did. So it's, you know, it's like three different players. I could see like shades of, um, I don't consider myself as like, you know, one person. Um, I think it's like a, a couple players in the NBA who like body resembles mine and, um, you know, their, their game when they shoot certain shots. Who? Yep. Who is that? Oh, I mean, um, I think in a pick and roll, you know, I could say shave just by how he uses his length, you know, sometime it doesn't look like he's going so fast, but he gets to the, to the rack and he has, you know, a variety of, of finishes different from like Kyrie, you know, Kyrie, he's six, two, six, three, and he's like more of a finesse finisher and more flashy, but Shay, you know, he's a great finisher at a, at six, six. Yeah. And this then, you know, Brad, you're talking about, about Shea SGA? Yes. Yeah, yeah, SGA. Yeah. Okay. And then um, Bradley Bill, just the way he attacks the mid-range. You know, he has a lot of um, dig pull-ups, I call it, where he goes hard left or hard right. You know, he just digs into the ground and gets to his pull-up elevates. Um, so I would say him at a, at a, um, at a you know, certain shots that he takes, how he elevates in his mid-range game, how he, you know, I keeps the defender on his back. Yeah. And then, you know, last, I would probably say, you know, um, Drew Holiday, just because how he – He's um, ferocious on both ends. That'd be my uh, number a, one for you. I mean, yeah, a two-way defender. I mean, he's a two-way player, really a complete player. Um, I think I definitely think that if his usage rate was higher, he would be like you know all NBA um, material for sure. But you know, those those three guys, I think different different parts of their games. Yeah, I mean, the only other two guys I'd add to that. I mean, Drew is my number one for you, um, and I see that quite a bit as well. Uh, but I expect you to have a little more usage than him, hopefully. Um, I think you're definitely, I mean, better. I wouldn't say a better playmaker, but higher higher potential there. I, I can see that and being able to get better looks and shots and whatnot. But uh, DeLon Wright and then Colin Sexton, I mean, just from the way he shifts a little bit and uh, his finishing levels, I mean, those would be the, that's what I had written down for you. Uh, but I see shades of all of that. What about growing up? Who are some of your favorite players just to watch growing up? Not saying you emulated them by any means. Uh, I was a Kobe Bryant fan. You know, I still am. I love Kobe Bryant. I love his approach for the game. Um, I loved how he attacked the game. I love watching the Lakers play growing up. I'm also Derek Rose, him in from Chicago. You know, when he won MVP, the youngest MVP ever. 
you know, from from Simeon, from Chicago, seeing that happen live, that was that was crazy. And um, you know, of course, Jordan, um, just him being from Chicago. I mean, him playing in Chicago, being so great. But probably growing up, my favorite was Kobe. So I was I was gonna say because you said Jordan, so you're from Chicago, Kobe over Jordan. No, I think uh, Jordan's the greatest of all time, but um, That's I, I definitely like Kobe more than Jordan. Why? Because they're, they're so similar. I just wonder why. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a personal reason, just me being able to see Kobe live. Yeah. You know, me being able to see Kobe Your age. You know, hit consecutive, you know, um, pull-up jump shots against the Suns, you know, in a game six. Me, me being able to see Kobe down you know, three, two against the Celtics and come back and win in seven, you know, just certain, you know, milestones that Kobe accomplished that I was able to, to see. Um, that's why I, I, he's my favorite. Now. That's why I personally like him over Jordan. Okay. I can dig it. So did you grow up a Bulls fan or? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely grew up, you know, rooting for the Bulls. Uh, my dad had him on, you know, just watching yep. um, the Bulls play live. I definitely, you know, always rooted for the Bulls. How much, how much did your Chicago roots factor into your Illinois decision? Um, oh, I mean, it factored a lot. Definitely. You know, I wanted to, that was my goal um, in college was to you know, help my home state um, elevate them to a status where, you know, absolutely. they could be considered as one of the best programs and one of the best universities like they you know should be considered. So when I had the chance to go and play for Illinois and um, put, you know, Illinois back on a map, that was definitely something that I wanted to do. You, you so definitely did that. I mean, Aaron I think... Williams, Luther Head. Mm -hmm. These guys were okay. And I, I hate to bring up bad memories, but um, how did it feel, man? Y'all came in the one seed, so much hype. Right. What was that like just getting bounced in the second round by the underdog? I mean, what you mean? <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, like, is that in the rear view now? Is it something that still tugs at you? Oh, I mean, you know, it's life. You know, you, you, you win some, you lose some, you take losses. You know, no, I'm not dwelling on that loss. You know, it's definitely, I definitely, you know, wanted to win, but you know, that was happening, you know, three, four months ago. Um, you know, you can't, you can't dwell on things like that. That's, that's the thing about the NCAA tournament. You know, you, you, it's like, you know, every given Sunday, you, you, you step up, you, you play right, you win. If not, you know, the better team that day won and they won, but no, it's not nothing that Eastwood to this day. You were pretty banged up for that game too, weren't you? I mean, I want to say I was banged up, but um, you, you weren't a hundred. Were you closer to eighty? Let's uh, let's be honest here. I mean, I want to say I was like, uh, nah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to give myself no excuse. I was. I was able to I play to my top. All right, level all right. for sure. Very good. So, um, let's see here. Going back, I wanted to ask you uh, in regards to last year's draft process because you kind of been through it all. Uh, which it was a COVID year. So it really wasn't anything like this year, I imagine. But um, what was, I mean, how far did you get with that last year? And um, what's the big difference from the day you left Illinois uh, this year compared to last year? Um, last year, throughout the process, I was pretty far, actually. I, I definitely believe that if it wasn't for COVID, I would be, you know, on the NBA roster last season. Um, but once COVID hit, you know, I didn't, um, have that certainty. I, I didn't have, I, I didn't want to put myself in a position where I did not have a chance to fully showcase, um, my abilities. Cause last year I was completely banking on myself for hundred percent. 
I understood what came with that. But once I found out that it was limitations on how I will be able to, you know, display my, my talents, um, I really didn't like that, that offer. You know, I didn't like that offer of not being able to go and GM see me front hand, you know, see my size, see how I play, you know, in person, because I always think that's a huge, you know, that's a huge um, benefit for someone. And um, this season, um, I definitely, you know, felt much, much, much um, better in a, in, a, in a different position. And uh, when I left campus, you know, I was sad, you know, because I wanted to win. Like you said, when we, we lost to Loyola, I was sad. You know, no way, shape or form was I, you know, thinking about the NBA at that time. I was thinking about winning a, a, a national championship. So, you know, the day I left, I came back um chicago the whole the whole ride i was i was sad i couldn't really sleep because i knew you know all the hard work we put into it but then it came it came a time where i'm like all right you know i'm I'm fully locked into the draft um i'm locked into my future and that's when i you know i started to put it you know aside of me so do you look at do you look at it as a blessing in disguise kind of that COVID happened because you were able to bounce back and have such an incredible year definitely you know i always think god works in mysterious ways so you know i never doubt him um, I definitely do think that, um, you know, that was a blessing for me because, you know, you, you never know where I might be at, where I would have been at, um, at this time, um, if I went to the draft last season, but, you know, I know that coming back from my junior year, you know, appreciating the game, seeing the game at a different angle, you know, getting bigger, getting stronger, you know, working on my shot, my athleticism, my explosiveness. Um, I definitely think it was a, a great decision. Do you think being a great defender is just something like you have in you, either have it or you don't. And it's just, I mean, you grow with being, you have it in you, you grow with your intelligence and development of the feel of the game or what's it, what's it take to be a great defender like yourself? I mean, how, how do you keep honing on those skills and being the best defender you can be? Um, I think being a great defender or even a good defender comes on first. You have to try, you don't have to try extremely hard. Um, you have to care also. And um, I think, you know, I always have the, the, the capability of being a, a good defender, being a great defender. You know, I had the, the right coach who could, who could push me each and every day in practice, you know, who would let me take days off. So that also helps also. So, you know, also having someone who can hold you accountable um, each and every play. And, um, but then it comes to just, you know, how, how bad do you care? You know, how bad do you not want your man to score? How bad? do you want to represent your team, you know, and I'm even a leader. Um, I want to, you know, try to the best I can on defense because I know that my teammates are going to look at how I was doing it and they were going to follow that. Yeah. And I think all of that is correct. And I also think a big part of defense is defensive, just basketball IQ. Um, Definitely. And it sounds like, you know, you were obviously watching film. Um, I mean, I can tell just talking to you, you seemed like a pretty smart guy. Um, you know, and so you have those defensive instincts that you combine with the IQ and obviously the athletic ability. And that's what leads to, I think, the best defenders, you know, that have come through the game. So you'll definitely, definitely make an impact on that end of the floor. Okay. So the first part is toughest guy you had to guard over the last year um, throughout the entire season. Second part is, is there a matchup you wish you could have back? Um, toughest guy I had to guard last season. Um. You know, I, the way we played defense, like, our defense was really, like, we were connected as one. So I wouldn't say it was one player in my position. I, if I had to say 
maybe like the, the toughest scout we have to have, I would probably say Luca Garza just because of his, you know, the attention that he draw that he drew. Yeah, I know. and then well, that's the, a team game, but I want to know about you personally. I mean, yeah, who, who I mean, but like, it, I don't. Because you weren't guarding Luca, let's be honest. I mean, you were helping out. You're long as hell, but definitely, I wasn't guarding him. But like, he was the, the probably the toughest matchup for our team. Yeah, I I believe it. That's what I think. Um, let me think. Putting you on the spot. We apologize. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that it was, it was one person I can name. You know, we definitely you played a lot say, of. You're also allowed to say nobody. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably say nobody. I don't think it was just, you know, one person that, you know, really just killed us and and and, and beat us or, or or anything like that. But I definitely do think it was it was some spots in our defense where we wasn't as connected as. Very good. Uh, what are your Illinois roots? I mean, what's those relationships like? Do you have any um, from NBA guys in the league? I mean, are you connected with? other high school ballers there on a really high level because the Chicago roots. Um, what, what's that like? I know I've, we've, I've talked to a lot of Chicago guys and it's, it's a community it feels like, and they're all connected somehow. Um, I pretty much know most of the, the Atlanta legends that, you know, come back or that, you know, come to our games to cheer for our games via social media. Um, I'm pretty, I'm cool with D Brown. I'm Darren Williams. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm mostly I'm Illinois pretty guys. cool with those. Yeah, mostly Illinois guys. No, not an Illinois guy. I thought you meant like the University of Illinois, like Illinois as a whole. Sorry, I, I meant like, yeah, Illinois, the state and Chicago and just NBA guys out of there. Well, the ballers yes. in Illinois come out of Chicago, so. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, pretty much all the ballers from Chicago, I pretty much know. You know, I, I pretty much met, you know, I gained knowledge from them. Definitely I always give, um, credit and kudos to the people who've done it before me. Um, and I always ask questions. So I'm pretty cool with, you know, most of those Chicago legends. Pretty awesome to see what Rose is doing right now, huh? Definitely. You know, D Rose, like he like a, a different kind of Chicago legend, because like I said, like the time that he was doing, he was doing the NBA, you know, being 22 years old, winning the MVP, like, you know, in a league that consisted of LeBron James, you know, Dwight Howard when he was in his prime, Kobe Bryant, so many other great players. And then this kid from Chicago won MVP. Like, that's that's crazy. And, I mean, he brought he brought the Bulls back. Like, after yeah, the excitement, NBA, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But just like, that's comeback with the Knicks this year is phenomenal. I mean, just to see him be able to play on this level and be so valuable for a team like this and – I thought it was, yeah, that was when, they, when they traded for him because I was thinking, why would you trade for him when you got quickly doing what he's doing off the bench? So I misread that whole thing. I thought I thought Thibodeau, Thibodeau. was trying to get all the the old band back together, but obviously it worked out for them, you know. So yeah, you know, you know, Thibodeau love his love his guys. Yes, Ty, yeah, Ty's Gibson in there. He brought Rose back. He probably if he could have probably would have brought Joakim Noah back. Right, yeah, he the whole <laughs> the whole band back. You know, but um, look, I will say based on where I've seen projections for you to go in the draft, there's a chance you might end up in Houston. I'm from Houston. I'm a Rockets fan. So I think that would be really cool. We could use some length and shooting and defense in Houston. Um, but I was going to ask, man, before we get you out of here, you know, what are some things, just the, the person, the, not even the, the, the basketball player, just the person, like, what do you do, man? Video games, music, food, cars, like what? You rollerblade, like what? Is it rollerblade? 
Y'all know roller blade, man. just a huge roller blade around Chicago. That's that's Yo, for the record. I don't know how to roller skate. No, no, no. I don't. I don't like skating. Like I don't like. I don't like doing anything like that. That I could like get like a freak like ankle injury yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I pretty much work out every day. I come home and I play the game. Um, that's what I do. I like the game. Play Madden. Play two K. I'm a different franchises, so I just play the game all day, and then I watch NBA basketball. Literally, like that's been my whole routine. Like for the last like, you know, four or five months. It was cool. The game entertains me. I have like my friends I'm on there with, and then I just go work out. You know, I'm pretty much I'm just focused on my my main goal is to um, get my body right, my mind right, my game right to you know be able to um, play at the next level. And then video games. So I'm not playing a game. It just keeps eases my mind and just you know allows me to just be like you know I'm just a a, a, a regular video gamer at this time. So that's pretty much all I do. I like watching movies, but Gaming is probably my favorite movies. Uh, my favorite movie, um, probably Life. Um, okay. um, Eddie, Eddie and Martin. Um, oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That that movie's funny, but you know, like it's so many different movies. I like, you know, I like Baby Boy. I like Friday. Okay, you know, it's so many other movies. But yeah, these are before your time. These, these are before your time. Yeah, I know. So you're definitely watching these like when they would uh, when they got to the point where they were being like broadcast on. You know, like I forget exactly. Yeah. But I don't like I don't like like the new the new movies. I don't know. Like they don't they don't hit the same. I like the old classic movies like you're those right. real good. You're absolutely right. You're hey, I told you you're smart. He knows. So <laughs> so it sounds like you're a gym rat. Um feeding into that, I was gonna just kind of curious last question, because I'm always curious about there's a lot of athletes that are, you know, greats and they just eat whatever they want. But uh some people you know, like CP3, for for instance, changed his diet, went vegan, and kind of revamped his whole body and routine. Um, it sounds like you're a gym rat. Do you eat whatever you want? Do you have a diet? Said so you said y'all have like a chef. Yes. And so, oh, okay. Um, I I don't have a. You know, I would, I'd be lying to you if I say you know I was vegan like CP3. I'm not a vegan. <laughs> you know. Hey, Cade Cunningham just came out and said he's he's a vegan. I, I was. Listening. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not a vegan. Don't but do that. I'm definitely taking a strides to become a better eater. I don't eat anything. I don't just eat junk, but okay. it's definitely room for improvement. And um, the crazy thing about it is um, I really started to like, really focus on my body when I found out like LeBron spent so much money on his body. You know, that's why that was good information, you know, for the, for the youth and just for people in general, because, you know, when I found out like he spent that much money on his body that you realize like, you know, it only goes as far as your body goes. So yeah. after getting that information, I really focus more on my, my body and more on eating right. But I definitely, I do believe I'm going to get to a, a point where I'm going to be at a, at a perfect, you know, mean where my, my body weight is good. You know, everything is good. But as of right now, I'm just trying to get to that, that point. Let me tell you, I, I, I'm 32. Um, and I basically hurt myself anytime I play, anytime I do anything. <laughs> like you was eating the wrong thing, huh? Hey, yeah, like it worked out for Jokic. He came in. He, he was eating flaming hot cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just keep your body in shape because that's what's going to make you your money. You already know. It but, can um, get there much quicker. Yeah, Zach, anything else that you want to tack on that we didn't cover that we missed? Yeah, last question for you, but uh, your name. So when did you go with AO? I mean, when did, when did you enact that name? Is it just from when you were born your parents give you that i mean it's got an awesome meaning behind it i just couldn't figure out how long you've been going with that name because it's one of the best names i've i've come across man it's awesome 
Yeah, it's Io. A lot of people say Ao. A lot of people. Sorry, Io. Io. No, you good. You good. A lot of people say Ao, but it's Io. Um, my middle name is Iopo. So you know, growing up, um, I just, I just like, I just love the name Io. And then, um, it came to a point where like, you know, my first name is Quam Quam Dean. Yep. And I remember I was at camps, and um, some people would be calling me Io. Some people would be calling me Quam Dean, and it'd be so many different articles. So, you know, my parents just said, um, you know, just for the media, for uh, social media, just, you know, pick one of the names. And um, I like Io. You know, I love it. Hell yeah. Okay, there you go. Well, look, man, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best. We will be definitely following <clears throat> along and seeing how you develop over the years and seeing where you end up in the draft. Um, yes, sir. So hey, Hopefully down the line. Let me hear you say, ball is life. Yeah, baby. Ball is life. Yeah, baby. So, um, yo. I want you in Minnesota, man. I, I'm going to be just crossing my fingers. I'd love you in Minnesota. <laughs> I know Roosh, yeah. once he watches a little more film on you. Yeah. Um, you don't want that weather, man. Come to Houston. Even though he's like, how do you You'd play a lot more in Houston. I'll tell you that. I, I, off the bat. I mean, I think they could use you a little more there. I mean. A guy like Steven Silas will probably. You got too many guards right now, but I mean, you're you're definitely. gonna fit in everywhere, man. You're needed. Bring that defense. It's, it's yes, a wrap. Thank mean, you guys for having me. Appreciate it. It was a blast, man. Take we care. It, man. Best, we'll, best of luck going forward. That's right. We'll follow you around and um, rate, like, subscribe, and all that. You want to drop your social media real quick for the people? Iodose underscore eleven. Follow me on Instagram. Bang Go. bang. All right, man. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. As we're recording this, the Bucks were up 30 to 9 on the Nets in game three. And the Nets have now come back and cut the lead to three or five. What is it? Dude, it's three right now. Eight minutes three. to go in the third. It's unbelievable. If the Nets pull this off, Giannis might as well go back to Greece. Seriously. Look. Oh I'll, my God, man. I do not want to see it. And I, I tweeted, I said, uh, I tweeted when it was 30 to 18, Milwaukee. I said, uh, the Bucks running out of gas, blowing this lead and going down 3-0 feels imminent. And I still, I'm sticking to that. Um, 11 points in the first quarter. And then they went 31 to 15 in the second. It's I mean, crazy. Bows out like this. We have, he needs some serious, serious questions asked because a back-to-back MVP just going totally missing, not even missing. Obviously he's putting up his numbers. He's putting up the stats, but he's not impacting the series the way that you should, um, you know, and they went out and got him help. If we're going to sit here and continue to cry that it's not enough help or whatever, I can't accept that. If they go down, th- if they go down three Oh, I, I just can't accept that. You got to win one. No, there's, there's no, they, they got to win two to even have a little street cred, to be honest, but yeah, no, absolutely. no Harden. This team was a, like a 500, maybe even a couple games below on the year without James Harden. Yes. I know Katie was still getting healthy. It's two. Yeah, three fifty one Milwaukee. But seriously, the Bucks should still win if they don't have James Harden. The depth of the Bucks and the Bucks, has, like the camaraderie they're supposed to have at this point, uh, they should be winning the series without James Harden. I honestly don't think there's any excuses, but there's levels to this, and this is just showing a lot. And Mike Boonholzer showing his ass again.
Oh uh, my what, God! If I was a Bucks fan, I would be losing my mind at Budenholzer. He's, he's got to go. He's going to be the hottest coach on the market, that's for sure. I I hate to be reactionary, but I mean, man, you had the team you had, you had the MVP one of those seasons, and this is how you bow out. I mean, back to back years, everyone thought, oh, it's the bubble. You know, it's just a weird year. Oh, I don't know, not looking like it. I mean, Brooklyn's obviously a much better team than that Miami team, but like you said, Harden's out. Uh, you know. They're down 2-0. They were just up 30 to 9 at home. And if they blow with that, I mean, come on. Yeah. No. All, all the flack James Harden's caught for whatever happens in the playoffs. This is so, so much worse. Oh, so it's because you give Giannis like passes in his early years. I mean, as he's growing. I mean, LeBron, Jordan, those guys all had their their blimps, you know? Uh their blip. Yeah. Blips. Blips in the road. Uh, but uh <laughs> Bumps in the road, blips on the radar. Oh, fuck, man. Uh, that, my, neighbor, my neighbor has me all messed up. I'll tell you that story off the air. But uh, <laughs> one little sidebar. I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast, and he was bringing back um, KD talking about – he had this guy on that wrote an amazing article um, on Kevin Durant. He spent hours with him at Kevin Durant's office just talking about life and how he grew up and everything. And um, basically led down the conversation of Durant when he won his first title, he thought it was going to make him whole and his life would change and his just mindset and everything would change about him. And it, it really put him into depression for months after that. And it just winning didn't feel like it was supposed to the KD and it is just winning championships doesn't mean the world to him. What do you take? By hearing something like that and thinking about something like that with Kevin Durant. Uh, I mean, it makes complete and total sense. It's everything that the fans said, you know, um, <laughs> you know, you, I mean, seriously, what you can laugh. Like you, you go, I think it makes him human, man. I think it's awesome to hear. Well, let me finish. Uh, I don't think it's awesome or not awesome. I'm just indifferent to it. It's me. It's obvious. Like you join a very, very good team and you are at, at this very moment in time, he has, he could argue he's the best player in the world. Um, and he was every bit as good when he joined the, the Warriors. I was in Oklahoma. I always say this. I was in Oklahoma when he did that. Okay. Like I remember I was, I was actually our wow. producer. I was with our producer, Gray. Um, <laughs> I was, I've never I, heard the story. I was at Gray's house. I was sleeping on the couch. Um, <laughs> and I just hear, I just heard him yell the F word <laughs> from like across his house. And I was like, Oh, I knew immediately what happened but I didn't know Katie went to golden state. And so obviously, you know, he chose golden state, whatever talk radio in Oklahoma was losing its mind that whole day. I wish, I wish I could go back and listen to it. They were losing their mind. And, um, so, you know, I say all that to say it surprises me none. Cause it's like, look, man, it, it's, you know, look, we're average Joe's do we compare our experiences. We compare their experiences to ours. And when you're at the gym, you know, and you're just playing and you pick teams, you try to, divide it up. So it's a decent game, right? Yeah. Like that's the general rule of thumb. And what the warrior, what he did that season when he joined the warriors was completely stacked the deck. Everyone knew it. He caught a ton of flack for it. And as a result of that, whatever they achieved is probably not near as fulfilling as he thought it would be because the, the way he went about getting it just, you know, I mean, nothing, nothing that's that easy is going to fulfill you and not to take away from what they did. Basically what they did is they stayed healthy. Um, and defied no odds whatsoever, you know, but it's just not going to be as fulfilling, especially when you add the layer of 
Like, yo, he was like the kid, the kid, he was the guy that joined the team. You know, they, they already, Golden State already had their, dar- their darlings. They drafted Steph, they drafted Clay, they drafted Dre. And that city and that fan base loves those guys, right? So KD coming in was kind of weird, I think, for everyone. It was like, oh my God, we got KD. Like, this feels wrong, but this is awesome. You know, but at the end of it, I mean, I don't think Warriors fans have like contempt or resentment for KD, but they just don't revere him the way that they love Steph, the way they love Clay, and the way that's they love- all. That's all true. That's all true. And I, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, but no championship is ever easy. Uh, I mean, does a trust fund baby feel accomplished about his bank account? You know what I mean? Like, it depends on how high he gets that bank account to what level. I mean, he won two championships. I mean, the fact to doing that, I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, if it was just one, it's not as impressive, or he just went one every other year. Um, like I mean, he they, won two, like they did down in Miami. They didn't even win back to back. They won back to back in Miami. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, that didn't work. Hey, Golden uh, State, State almost did not win. Wait, yeah, they almost did not win back to back. Yeah, it's just Chris Paul's hamstring gave them a back to back championship. All right, that's the truth. I just think it made the hearing the story about KD again. Make it just the dude's awesome. Just how much he interacts with people, and just how I think he just drops down to. Um, the average person's level, you know, and he just immerses himself in everything and just lets, lets everybody be a part of it more than anybody out there. And I think that side of him is really cool. And just the fact that he can open up like something like that. And I don't know, I just think it's, it makes it more human. I mean, for him to I say something cool that he does that and interacts on Twitter. I do think it's admits that I think it's whack that he, you know, kind of belittles like the fans approach, you know, Oh, y'all always, he's always like, y'all always talking about us. We don't talk about it like this. I don't talk about me like that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. Let fans be fans, man. We know you're one of the greatest to ever do it. We will never know what it's like to be you, you know, but at the same time, I think you, you meaning KD forgot what it's like to be us. You know, we watch the game. We're fans of it. We appreciate and respect what you do, but we're going to talk about it the way we talk about it, you know? And the fact that the fact that he has that disconnect, it's kind of like, Come on, Kevin. Like you, you're a you. You've elevated from just being an average Joe. You are the furthest thing from it. Now, I think what's cool he's is what playing he's at this level, and he doesn't really give a shit about winning. Like dogs no, do uh, that. People have to win cool. in the dirt. No, if he didn't care about winning, he wouldn't be telling James Harden in the offseason, "Yo, you got to come to Brooklyn." You know, so I think he wants he to play with his friends, and he knows how much others like James wants to win. I mean. Yes, he likes it. Of course, he likes winning, but it, I mean, I don't think it's end all be all for him. Oh, wow, we got to tie a game with four minutes to go in the third. All right. So, but, but real, quick, the- gonna, real quick, before we dive into, we're going to do awards. I was going to say the coolest part about him, his, his career at least, post, post Oklahoma City, is what's going on right now in Brooklyn. Harden's out, and he's. They're living up to the billing of being like as good as they are, you know. So that's pretty cool. I think that's cool. He went and did his own thing with Kyrie, obviously. For sure. They brought in. I think they brought in. I think this says more about Kyrie and the supporting cast versus Kevin Durant. I mean, KD's just showing that he can get back to the level he was off those severe injuries, which is damn impressive as well. But yeah, um, the fact that Kyrie can be a number two to somebody else and 
the supporting cast, Blake Griffin looking back and form. It's it's awesome. I and I hope Harden gets back soon to be a part of this. Um, I'd like to see the Bucks steal one, but we want to get into awards. We want to share our thoughts on that here. So, uh, Coach of the Year, okay, Tommy Tibbs, coming out first year in New York. What do you think? Was he your guy? Was he the pick? Um, I'm cool with it. Uh, I'm cool with it because no one expected the Knicks. I mean, everyone thought the Knicks would be a lottery team, and not me. Well, most people thought they'd be a lottery team, uh, or or maybe that they like compete for a play-in as like a you know 500 or below team. Yeah. I don't think anyone thought they'd snag the four seed. So, yeah, from that perspective, I think that's that's deserved, and I think it's cool that the Knicks. You know, I, I just think basketball is better when the Knicks are fun. Um, but I would have given it to Monty Monty Williams in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, you know, the two seed, uh, the young guns, really like what they what they did. Um, going from, you know, not making the playoffs in however many years. I guess New York did the same thing, but I just think that what they did, the level they won at in the West was more impressive. Fair. I mean, that's that's fine. I can completely accept that. I honestly could have accepted one of three guys, uh, Quinn Snyder. Yeah, Quinn Snyder being the third. I mean, he won the West, okay? And everybody talks about the West being so good. Yes, I know. LeBron and AD were hurt a lot of it. I know Kawhi and Paul George were hurt a lot of it, but we can't we can't continue to talk about how good the West is in the playoffs and give Phoenix these props if we're not going to do the same for teams like Utah. Because I feel Utah like Mitchell missed a month of the season. So. I know. There we go. Thank you. Yes, that's that's got a factor in there too. So uh, I had Tom winning it, and that's just because. Uh, he exceeded the most expectations in my book. Um, and I thought he would in most other people as well. I think he was very deserving. Uh, but yeah, one of those three guys could have won. Um, don't think there was any argument for anybody else. Uh, Steve Nash, I mean, he would have had to get the number one seed and by a decent margin. I mean, but the fact no, that he, he won with he all so much more talent to work with that, like, it just wouldn't be a fulfilling award in my opinion if it was just super impressive to win with all those different lineups nothing consistent not, not when you got no that, no no love all right not when you got that much talent now you're getting blake griffin for under a million off the the buyout you know and i don't know maybe i'm biased but they have the the most collection of the the best collection of talent in the league by far even though those guys didn't all play together at the same time you just need two of them all you right. know you need two of them with jeff green balling out blake griffin balling out you know, Joe Harris having a hell of a season. So, I've liked what Steve Nash has done in the playoffs. I mean, I think his lineups are great. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I have not letting Giannis dominate. I mean, and he's getting his numbers, but he's Giannis yeah, his is, numbers at the bat, the wrong time. I Giannis mean, when they stop, don't matter, Giannis is stopping himself because he doesn't have the ability. We've seen this before, man. He's look, when you no. get. When you when you're gifted points and free throws and whatever because yeah. you bull rush people and then dunk it like it doesn't work when you're playing an, a team better than you you know so you can't yeah. pull up and hit a mid range or if you can't shoot it's the pull ups that get me he's got to be they should be dominating the paint and I've seen Dave Dufour tweet about this and I completely agree I've thought this about Giannis for a while um, you got to get him in space I thought the same thing with Russell Westbrook when guys can't shoot reliably. You know, I mean, Russell Westbrook can, can handle the ball much better and 
get to the rim. But when you can't shoot, people can just drop. So how do you beat that? You get them moving in space. You get them catching the ball on the move when they have momentum and when they basically have to get fouled in order to be stopped. And they don't do that with Giannis enough. They try to give him the rock and let him go to work. He's just not that kind of guy. Um, But next award. All right, next award, sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson winning it. I was okay with it, but I didn't even think he was the sixth man of his own team. Um, I would have given it to Joe Ingles. Uh, Joe, I mean, he's been so valuable for that team for many years. And just from an advanced stats perspective and the eye test, it's Joe Ingles. But from a gaudy standpoint, some big scoring games, Jordan Clarkson with his 40-point banger, um, I think it's a scoring award for a lot of people. And, yeah, he averaged the most points for a guy that could qualify for this award. But honestly, I would have been okay with Derrick Rose getting it or Tim Hardway Jr. even, who the award Mm -hmm. oftentimes goes to a player that starts a lot of games. And he started 31 of the 70 games he played in, so he qualified for this award. Tim Hardway Jr. is much better, not much, but better than Jordan Clarkson. So how how do you give it to Jordan Clarkson over like Tim Hardway Jr. or Derrick Rose? Yeah, I just hate the award at this point. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, it's like... It, what, what made you hate it, though? At what point in... Uh, basically, once they... Once it... I forget who the player was. I don't think it was Manu. I think it was, was it Jamal Crawford? I think you're going down a path where it's just become a scoring award, correct? It's just a, it's who's scoring off right. the bench, and that person doesn't even have to come off the bench most of the time. It's just stupid, you know? Um, like, if someone's playing you know, 35 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game. Like they're not a sixth man, you know, they're a, I don't know, maybe, maybe 30. There's no arbitrary like criteria, but it's just like, you have to well, feel it's the more bench minutes than starter minutes. Yeah, I mean, you just have to feel the context of the team out, you know, if the context of the team is that guy is, is a closer, he's playing in the clutch, he's playing 30 plus minutes a game, heavy minutes. He's featured heavily. It's just, I don't know. To me, it's not a sixth man. You know, sixth man is like a guy on the fringe, like, like a, like a Joe Ingles would be a six man, you know, right. like he's one of their features, you know? but I don't know. Stupid award. So you're with me on Joe Ingles. I mean, I'm basically like, I just don't care. Clarkson fine. Right. Ingles fine. Uh, Derek Rose fine. Tim Hardaway jr. Fine. They might as well have given it to Lou Williams or Eric Gordon just for old time's sake. Fair enough. All right. So most improved player of the year, um, Julius Randall, Two votes away from being unanimous. Jeremy Grant was the only one to get two first place votes. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a no brainer. Uh, but I mean, Christian Wood would have stayed healthy and played a lot of games. I probably would have given it to Christian Wood, to be honest, because I've always been higher on Julius Randle. Uh, but yeah, Randle definitely deserved the award. I mean, he turned into a winning player, turned into a great three point shooter. Not much to talk about here for me. What do you think of that? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Julius Randle ran away with it. You could go Jeremy Grant, but Randle's improvement was more impactful um, by far, you know. And there was a point in time where what Julius Randle was doing was only at that point replicated by Larry Bird, right? So it's like, come yeah. on, he's putting up like no. 20, I think it was like 2010, something assists shooting like 40% from three. I mean, he, he just, he went ballistic. So Julius Randall, no question for me. Other guys I want to give a shout out to, I mean, 
I personally think Jalen Brown had a hell of a season. Um, I wouldn't say most improved because it most improved implies, well, I mean, you could argue it. You could argue it. I wouldn't be mad at it. He definitely hit a level that I didn't know or I didn't think he was going to hit this soon well, in his career. All right. I feel it. I feel it. So, uh, Jeremy Grant, last question on this. Do you think it was just great stats, bad team, or do you think he's this dude and can keep this up? Because I personally think he's this good, and I think he could do this as a second or third guy on a better team, and I think he's going to keep getting better. I, I really do. I think this this year propelled him going forward and um, could be way off on this going forward, but it's going to be one of those interesting things to figure out if he is good stats, bad team guy. <laughs> No, I don't think he's a good stats, bad team guy, but I also don't think he's a number one or a number two on a contender. I think he'd, he'd be best served like he was not in Denver. He should have been featured more in Denver, but somewhere in between, you know, um, like a guy putting up like a solid 18 and 10. I know? think he's so much better than Aaron Gordon, though. Holy shit. <laughs> it's not even close. He's much better. Aaron Gordon, I hate to say it. Aaron Gordon's insanely overrated. Um, his best use. You've been right on him. I will give you that. You've been right on him for a long time. You were always cautious about bringing him to Houston and all the rumors there. And I thought he'd be great next to Mike. Not Mike. Christian Wood. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I must have been sleeping. I didn't realize Jeremy Grant only averaged under five boards per game. Yeah. No, that part of his game's pretty weak. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 No. So. Okay, so let me backtrack. No, I think for some reason I thought he was rebounding like seven. Not a monster there. No. Yeah, no. So I don't know. I mean, a good player, but again, kind of like Aaron, Aaron Gordon. For the money that they're, you're paying them, you know, it doesn't translate to winning. I think Aaron Gordon is best used as he was on the Nuggets before Jamal Murray got hurt, which is like a fourth guy, you know? Yeah. Their best defensive player, someone to use as an ancillary like threat off movement. Every now and then he might shoot some threes. Don't trust it. But he's not a guy you give the rock to over and over and, ex and expect to win games. And I don't think Jeremy Grant's that dude either. I think, I think he, if he's the fourth best player on your team, you're probably in contention for a title. If he's the third best player on your team, you may or may not also be in contention for a title. I think if he's first or second, I think if he's first, you're probably looking at a team like Detroit. Yeah. I think if he's second, you might be looking at, you know, a play-in type team. But he's a guy every team needs. I mean, I, you can guard most two through fives and for sure two through four and a lot of one and fives. So yeah. I, I love Jeremy Grant. Versatility and, and length and height and the ability to shoot. He shot, I think, 35% from three this season. Yep. If you have defensive versatility, height, length, and decent three-point shooting ability, you're going to be valuable. No questions asked. All right, your favorite award. most. <laughs> Most defensive, <laughs> defensive player of the year. Um, and uh, Rudy Froyo, uh, Mr. Gobert, Yogurt, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, you good with that? I think he deserved it. I think he can keep going. I think he can get to four or five and be the all-time defensive player of the year. Uh, man, that would not be a good look in NBA history. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so far... He doesn't have to go against Anthony Davis. Um, hasn't had to go against Nikola Jokic. So I think, yeah, he might keep looking good in the playoffs too. There's a good chance of that. Um, Look, you've seen me argue this on, on Twitter. 
he obviously makes an impact defensively. His size, his, his length, uh, his ability to just change possessions, extremely valuable. I get it. You know, yes, he's deserving. I think Ben, I, I would rather have a, a defender like Ben Simmons mm. with more versatility on the wing that also has the size and length, like a Jeremy Grant too, um, to guard one through five. You know, I think, I think Gobert's impact defensively in the, in the spectrum of NBA history is just vastly overrated because. Yeah, we don't need to touch on that. We don't need to go into it. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's great for this era. I think in the 90s, for example, he'd be pretty good. Not, definitely not bad. I just don't think he'd be like, oh my God, Gobert, you know? But, um, and I just don't have respect for somebody of his size that flops. Maybe I'm old school, but I hate it. I hate watching that man flop. I hate it. Yeah, it's not, it's not pretty. And I, out of the 10 games, uh, 10 games, 10 guys on this list um, for defensive player of the year, literally, I don't look at any of them besides maybe Draymond a little bit being a flopper. Rudy's the only one that's a big time flopper on here, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Draymond's a flopper, but he's a smart, like he's, yeah, he's an not annoying. He's an embellisher. He knows how to get the call. Rudy will just like fall over and then, you know, throw a tantrum. Like I, there's that clip. Well, he's sitting on the bench. Yeah. On the side literally, literally there's the tweet. I, uh, the clip I've tweeted of Aaron, Eric Gordon of the Rockets, giving him like a very slight bump. And he just like falls over like a traffic cone. And it's like, man, how am I supposed to call you the defensive player of the year when you're not even protecting the paint on certain possessions? Cause you're falling over. I just, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. old school. Yeah, I think this is one of Rudy's biggest landslides. Um, it could have looked a little different. Uh, Clint Capella, I mean, if you put up a little more statistics, I, I think Clint should have been number two, to be honest. Um, that's probably where I would have ended up. Uh, but Miles Turner would have been way higher if he would have played games. He was on pace to be right in that top three. I just didn't think Giannis and Bam, I think they took a little step back from last year your typical names being up there. I mean, if you got Jimmy Butler, who only played half the season finishing in the top 10, it's not great. Not great. Things aren't looking good at that award. I mean, Kawhi does, doesn't get one vote. So, yeah, not much to talk about there again. Um, this one, though, most valuable player of the year. From Fat Boy to Champion to the GOAT, Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Landslide. It's bullshit. People are calling out Derrick Rose, though, for getting a vote. You know what's bullshit? Steph Curry getting five. Giannis getting one. Chris Paul getting two. Joel Embiid getting one. Nobody should have got a vote here. First place vote. I mean, like, it, it's unanimous. Let's be honest. He finished at, I mean, the three seed. He carried, I mean, half of the year without Jamal Murray. I don't think a three seed is unanimous, but I think it's the right decision. I don't think Steph Curry should have been in the getting votes for first place. Um, Steph I think, Curry shouldn't have got second place votes. He didn't even make the playoffs, and it drives me absolutely insane. Don't drives give me, me crazy. I mean, and that's kind of what these awards have become, and that's why it kind of sucks, honestly. But Jokic is very deserving. You, I got to give you credit. You were on this from the beginning. Um, but to my credit, you, when you asked me, where would they have to finish for Jokic to get it? What did I say? You're right there. Yeah. So said, third. Yeah. So why not stick to my word? If they had finished, I guess if they had finished fourth, I mean, the thing is this was Embiid's award, but he didn't get it because he didn't play enough games. I know? think we're going to see this a lot, a lot of years with Embiid, unfortunately years to come here. 
the guy that I don't didn't think got enough love for top three votes, to be honest. He finished down at where is this? Yeah, finished down at number seven. Okay. Julius Randle. Like you take Julius Randle off this team. I tr- I look at the word V and the MVP more than I think just about most, though. Um, and a lot of people, because he's the MIP, I don't want to put him high up for the MVP, but why not both? You can take that big of a leap. I mean, Luca did last year. I mentioned it on our pod with, with Jared Greenberg. He was a dark horse candidate for me for like, MVP. My, my order went Jokic, Joel Embiid, which is tough putting him at two with the games played he had, Giannis at three, Randall at four, and then I threw in Steph at five. Uh, but I'd be okay with CP higher than Steph, Luca higher than Steph, Dame higher than Steph. I mean, even Kawhi, come on. Like, Steph finishing, like, it's, this has got to be an asterisk because we've taken so much pride and weight on these one through five seeding, like Isaiah Thomas historical year, James Harden finishing number two and top three all of these years, and it that's what helps boost his historical precedent. Like, come on. What a lot of people aren't talking about with Draymond and the defensive player of the year, and then Steph with the MVP even, the Warriors had a top five defense. Top five. How, how big of an impact do you think Steph Curry had on that? Zero. And that's, that's another thing, man. The Warriors took the Rockets' 2014-2015 blueprint. They had, a top, they had the seventh best defense and Harden with nobody. And that's what the Warriors did this season. They had, that's why they were in contention to be where they were. That's yeah. why they were a play-in team and not a lottery team completely is because they had a top five defense. For sure. And they still weren't able to get in the playoffs. So, yeah, this Steph, MVP, no. That's the thing, man. These awards have just turned into maybe I'm going too far. I think I'm going too far, but it feels like they, it's Easy. turned into, you know, just this like trivial bullshit, you know, like. But everybody who won this year deserved it, in my opinion, besides maybe Jordan Clarkson. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I agree. But I it's, agree. I just, it's I just, just like the, the second place, guys. I just hate the way the narratives are portrayed. Like, yes. Jokic won it. He, but, I mean, <clears throat> the way the media covered it, like, you, you would have thought Steph was going to run away with it. Yep. Right. So it's like, I don't know. Um, the way that they talk about Gobert just leaves no room for anyone else to maybe come in and snag it that might be deserving. So I, I don't know. Um, I do hope that we see less of guys sitting out, though, man. Because it is, I don't know. Obviously, you want players to be healthy, but the product, like, I want to see players play. I want to see players do what players in the past did and play and earn their stats and earn, you know, their recognition and their love. Who do you, you want to call out, though, that should have been playing when there might have been? Well, I'm not, I don't want to call anyone guys- out specifically because, like, Embiid, like, the people that do it have concerns, right? I don't know about Kawhi anymore. Like, I think he's just being conservative and nursing his injury because he can. Um, Kawhi is like, Exhibit A. He should be the prime target here, in my estimation. But I mean, hey, if it works for him as the four seed, if they can navigate these waters, and I mean, I think it's hurting them right now in Utah. We'll see what game two goes like. I think they win game one if they were the home team. I really do. Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying. That's the sad thing. It's not necessarily that these guys are sitting, it's that they're sitting and it has, there's just no negative effect. It's like, yeah. 
it's really just not fun to see the Sixers sit and bead and watch them, you know, I don't know, beat <laughs> whoever is at the bottom of the Eastern Conference on any given day. You know, it's like just not fun. And then they still finish first. And it's like, well, kind of lends a ton of credibility to the idea of thinking, well, what's the point? Why don't we just bench everyone and just lock up the one seed while we can? Then they'll play, right. you know, but it just kind of kills these discussions. It kills the fan experience. So maybe I'm too far on one end of it, but did we cover, I'm assuming we covered all the awards. That, that was it. That was all of them. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm good here. Um, that wraps us up for tonight, guys. We need you rate, subscribe, let us know what you thought of. And I, yo, and the nets and bucks are tied with 10 minutes left in the game. So yeah, we got to watch that. Guys, we got some big guests coming up. Stay tuned. Um, hit us up. We need you. Peace. Peace.